Hello, good morning and welcome. And as always, whoever you are, wherever you are, we are so very glad that you chose to join us this morning for worship. This is the first Sunday of Christian Aid Week and a week in which we focus on the needs of others, not just in our community, but in communities around the world. With that in mind, would you join me as we approach God in prayer? Father, on this day, when we mark the beginning of Christian Aid Week, we want to give you thanks for all the help and blessings we have received from you. Grace, blessings and help given because of your deep love for us. We thank you for all of these many blessings so evidently revealed to us in our lives. You are a good and generous God who does good. But we confess to you that we have often failed to respond in kind to others who need our help. So on this day and throughout this week and in the weeks ahead, Will you please teach us to live with grateful hearts? Will you help us to nurture compassionate hearts? Will you help us, Father, for the sake of those you put in our way, whether near or far, those who find themselves in need? Help us to respond to them with big, welcoming hearts, with warm, generous spirits, wide open arms and big open hands and with wills that are quick to help. You are a good God, a generous creator, a loving father. Help us, your children, to be like you, our father, today and every day you give us life. We commit our gathering now into your hands and ask for the blessing of your presence and the blessings of your favor. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. And now Kathy will bring us our first reading from the Gospel of John. First reading today is taken from the Gospel of John, Chapter 15, reading verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. I love the way that passage speaks so much about love. Friends, we are in the presence of a loving God, of a good Father. So let's come together as his family and say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us for our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. And now, Cathy will bring us our second reading from the Gospel of Luke. Our second reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, reading from verses 29 to 37. Because he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Today is the beginning of Christian Aid Week. It is, of course, not the only week in which Christians give aid. But it is a week that serves to remind us of what it means to be not only a believing, but also a practicing Christian. As we go into this week, I would encourage you to take some time, set it apart, and to prayerfully reread the passages read to us this morning. And as you do, perhaps you could take some, if not all, of these three questions with you. They are questions that I hope will serve to focus your thoughts on the words of Jesus and in the process 
for your heart to be shaped by Jesus. The first question is, is love a noun or a verb in your life? And the second, what exactly is Christian about Christian aid? And finally, what for us as Christians is the difference between simply being obedient as opposed to choosing to act responsibly? Well, let's look at the first one. Is love a noun or a verb? In John 15, Jesus is in the process of opening his heart to his friends. The language he uses through this very large block of teaching is simple and the style is repetitive. The thought, if you like, moves in a double spiral, a spiral that drills down into the hearts of his followers, while at the same time spirals outwards towards the world. In fact, speaking of repetition, in the part that was read to us this morning, Jesus uses the word love or loved at least nine times in nine short verses. In fact, I count that throughout this whole discourse, Jesus speaks about love almost 31 times. In fact, verse 13, verse 13, which is perhaps some of the most better known words in the whole of Christian Gospels, says this, Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Verse 13 helps us to understand what love looks like in practice, the kind of love we as Christians are called to practice, not only throughout Christian Aid Week, but in the weeks before and beyond. Jesus' words there in verse 13 echo the story of Luke 10 and the teaching that that parable contains. They are words and they are a story that help to illustrate the difference between love as a noun and love as a verb. Love as a noun can be used to describe a joyful reality or even act as a term of endearment. It can describe a benevolent heart attitude or even a concern for another. And it can often be confused with feelings and sentiments like pity. A bit like compassion, but without the passion. But love as a verb is a much stronger expression. It anticipates action. It engages actively with need. In other words, love as a verb is marked by active response. You see, as long as we think of love as a noun, we can hold it at arm's length, we can discuss it, analyze it, make abstract statements about it, and if the mood takes us, perhaps even write poetry about it. In other words, love as a noun costs us nothing. But when love becomes a verb, it is no longer something we can hold at arm's length. It becomes a person to embrace, a cause to act upon. It's no longer something we analyze or discuss or write poetry about. It is something that we must do. I think love as a noun is what characterized the attitudes of the priest and the Levite. I've no doubt that as they looked upon the victim, they may have felt a certain amount of concern. But love was not a verb in their life. On the other hand, love as a verb is seen in the actions of the Samaritan. 
So let me ask you, how does love manifest itself in your Christian life and in your Christian faith? And then there is the second question that we all perhaps need to ask ourselves. What is Christian about Christian love? Or what is Christian about Christian aid, if you like? When Jesus said to his disciples, abide in my love, there is a little detail in the Greek there which is missed in almost all of the translations. You see, Jesus didn't just say, abide in my love. In the actual Greek, what it says is, abide in the love that is mine. It is the same way, in fact, throughout the whole discourse. For example, he speaks of the joy that is mine, the judgment that is mine, the commandments that are mine, the peace that is mine. This little verbal formula underlines the particular character of the love which we are called to abide in. It's not just any love. These are not just any commandments. It is a love that is his. They are commandments that are his. They are judgments that are his. In other words, Christian aid, like Christian love, is firstly shaped not by need or indeed by the recipient, but by the person of Jesus, whose love was generously, and is indeed still, generously wide in its actions and inclusively generous in his attitudes. One of the things that I like about John 15 is how this generous inclusivity is reflected right there in the beginning. Right there in the beginning of chapter 15, Jesus chose a new image of a family tree for the family of God. It was not one modeled on the form of a mighty cedar or a towering oak. Rather, he chose as his family tree a vine. A twisting, spreading, interweaving, living reality. That's true value lay not in its appearance, but in the bearing of fruit that remains. Think about that for a moment, friends. His true value lay not in its appearance, but in the bearing of fruit that remains. In other words, he chose to focus not on the outward appearance of the tree, but rather on the fruit that it produces. In the family of God, the value of a person lies not in their appearance, nor in their need for that matter, nor that economic worth, nor their intellect, nor their social status, but the value lies in their intrinsic nature as human beings, a human being who was made in the image of God. And Christian aid rests upon the indelible value of the person, not on the needs of the person, but on the indelible value of the person. It rests upon and stems from the value of a human being as one made in the image of God and loved by God. There is a very real sense, and I know it may sound paradoxical, but there is a very real sense that when we act with Christian charity, it is not so much the action of those who love God, but an act towards those whom God loves.
Let me, let me read a poem that I think captures the essence of what I am saying. It is a poem that in a sense speaks of the greatest act of charity towards those who could not help themselves and who could not pay for themselves. It's a long poem, so I will not read it all, but it's called, How Much Do You Think You Are Worth? Is a rich man worth more than a poor man? A stranger worth less than a friend? Is a baby worth more than an old man? Your beginning worth more than your end? Is a president worth more than his assassin? Does your value decrease with your crime? Like when Christ took the place of Barabbas, would you say he was wasting his time? But how much do you think you are worth now? Will anyone stand up and say, would you say that a man is worth nothing until someone is willing to pay? If you heard that your life had been valued, that a price had been paid on the nail, would you ask what was traded, how much and who paid it? Who was he and what was his name? If you heard that his name was called Jesus, would you say that the price was too dear, held to the cross not by nails but by love? It was you who broke his heart, not the spear. Would you say you are worth what it cost him? You say no, but the price stays the same. If it don't make you cry, laugh it off, pass him by. But just remember the day when you throw it away that he paid what he thought you were worth. So how much do you think he is worth now? Will anyone stand up and say, Tell me what are you willing to give him in return for the price that he paid? I'll let you think about that. The final question is, what for us as Christians is the difference between simply being obedient as opposed to choosing to act responsibly? One of my favorite authors is a Russian called Fyodor Dostoevsky. And Dostoevsky was a passionate, devout Christian. In fact, despite that, he said, being a Christian meant that he could make a better case against God than most atheists. In fact, he does that through one of his characters in one of his most famous stories, The Brothers Karamazov. If you ever take the chance to read it, you'll see that throughout the story, Dostoevsky is telling us that being a Christian does not mean that you have to or indeed should try to shut yourself away from the horrors of the world and from the appalling suffering that goes on in the world. He reminds us that Jesus was in the world for the sake of the world. And what all of Dostoevsky's stories have in common is like the parable of the Good Samaritan. They talk about the act of taking responsibility for the world we live in. We take responsibility for the world we live, on, live in by taking responsibility for how we live and responsibility for our actions and attitudes towards those around us. It is living with the knowledge that how we live has consequences for us and for those around us. 
And that is exactly what characterizes the kind of love that Jesus was talking about here in John 15 and illustrated in the parable of the Good Samaritan. When we act with Christian charity, I want to say this again, when we act with Christian charity, it is not so much the action of those who love God, but an act towards those whom God loves. It's the kind of love for God that is reflected not in a mindless, fearful obedience to religious code, but rather the kind of love for God that is reflected in the love for others that compels us to respond with a courageous, moral responsibility in any and all situations of need. The parable from Luke's Gospel is a call to act with courageous responsibility. It is the nature of the love that Jesus talks about in John 15. The priest and the Levite were fearful of getting involved in the needs of another human being because they had built their life around being obedient to a religious rule and to social expectations. Whereas the Samaritan's morality was built on acting responsibly responsibly in the face of human need. The priest and the Levite in their fearful obsession with conforming to religious rules of obedience, had allowed themselves to be turned into virtue signalers, subservient to the applause of their religious audience. But this made them moral cowards, fearful of acting morally responsible. A life focused on merely being careful to be obedient to the rules, whether they are written religious codes or indeed the unwritten rules of popular social media and social expectations, ultimately turn us into moral pygmies. We end up living in a community and a society that values appearance over substance, principles over people. What the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 and the teaching of Jesus in John 15 call upon us to do is to avoid this sort of thing, to avoid a conforming obsession with obedience to the kind of religious or social expectations that are concerned simply with appearance morality. And instead, to the courage to act with courageous moral responsibility in the face of whatever needs God puts in our personal way. So let me close, friend, with these questions. What about you? Is love a noun or a verb in your Christian life? Will you choose a life shaped by conformity to the ever-changing ethics of the crowds and the virtue signaling or to the unchanging person of Jesus Christ? Will you choose a life shaped by a blind obedience to religious principles? Or like the Samaritan, choose to live a life marked by the courage to always act with moral responsibility? I leave you with these thoughts. God bless you. And now Stephen will lead us in the prayers of intercession. Today sees the start of Christian Aid Week an organisation providing humanitarian relief and long-term development support for communities worldwide, highlighting poverty, tackling injustice and facing today's greatest challenge, the climate crisis, 
in this their 75th anniversary year. Let us pray. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. As the seasons have changed around us, bringing brighter weather, spring blossoms and buzzing bees, we might feel our mood lifting and our hopes rising for the summer ahead, joyfully anticipating being reunited with friends and family as COVID rules change and lockdowns and social distancing eases. But more freedom can also bring a sense of trepidation about what might happen next. Changing seasons are not always a source of joy as climate breakdown plays havoc with once reliable rains and droughts disrupting harvests. Whether we feel joy or anxiety about the changes we are encountering, we are time and again invited to ponder the unchanging nature of God. God who is. God who was before earth and mountains. Who is from everlasting to everlasting. As we oscillate between joy and trepidation, we can find hope in a God who unflinchingly and consistently surrounds us with love. God of abundant life, we see your goodness all around us and we thank you for every part of it. From the plants and animals which play their part in complex ecosystems to the dry deserts and stormy seas which test the limits of life. We pray that in this time of climate crisis and ecological emergency, you may help us to rediscover your love of creation and to reflect that in our own lives. We thank you for contemporary prophets who are challenging us to act on climate change. For the indigenous peoples and their invaluable knowledge of the land and sea where they live throughout the world. For scientists dedicating their careers to warning us about changes to the planet. And for our young people concerned for their future lives. We pray that you will help those in power to hear their prophetic voices and see beyond short-term political priorities and business plans. Give them wisdom and courage when they face difficult decisions on our behalf. God of second chances, we recognise the damage already done to the earth and the injustice we see in society every day, fuelled by worship of profit and possessions. We pray for the coming of a better world with justice, kindness and humility at its heart. Give us a new relationship with creation, with reverence to tend this gift from you and say once again of the earth, it is good. Amen. And now, my friends,
on this, the first Sunday of Christian Aid Week, the benediction comes to you again from the book of Hebrews. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with every good thing for doing his will, and may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. God bless you.